Chapter 20 of The Knights of the Square Table This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Knights of the Square Table by Secretary Hawkins Chapter 20 A Peace Proposal The first snow had fallen. The river path was covered with a mingling of footprints, and I was sure that the boys had held the regular meeting after school without me. When I arrived at the clubhouse, I found Perry Stokes was there, cleaning up. "'Boys all gone, Perry?' I asked. "'To the hill, sir,' he said. "'They've taken out the big bobsled, sir. "'Jerry Moore says it's snow enough for a sled track, sir.' I walked to my little writing desk and sat down. Dick Ferris, our captain, had left a little note on my desk telling of the important things done at the meeting, so that I could write them down in the minutes. "'Perry,' I said, "'don't you like sled tracks?' "'I do, sir, very much.' "'All right. Get out of here and join the other boys. I've got to do today's writing, and I'd rather be alone.' I sat there, alone, scribbling in my book. About fifteen minutes passed in peaceful quiet. And then I heard a step on the porch, and I thought it was one of our boys returning. But no, it was a strange footstep. I started up, but before I got out of my chair, the curtains parted, and there stood my enemy, Pooley. I know you're surprised, he said in a low voice. I won't make excuses. You and I ain't friends, but I had to come. I stopped him with a wave of my hand. Why aren't we friends, I asked. Listen, Pooley, just because you are fool enough to bum around with a bunch like the Knights of the Squareheads, square table, I mean, why should I believe we ain't friends? He frowned. Let's not talk about it, he said. I come to talk over other things with you, Secretary Hawkins, and I come fair and square. I smiled up at him. That's your motto, isn't it? Never mind. The old judge of your town sent for my pop, and I know he wants to find out about the burning of the Pelham shack across the river. Now I come to tell you I didn't do that, Hawkins, and you know it. How do I know it? You know it well enough. You know me. And you know that I wouldn't let any feller in my gang do a thing like that. First place, it ain't fair and square. Second place, it's too dangerous. Why, the whole woods might have caught fire from that fool thing. Yes, I said, it was a very foolish stunt for anybody to do. But are you sure that none of the boys in your gang did it? Pooley was silent for a minute. His face had a worried look. I wish I knew, he said. Ever since Long Tom came, my gang ain't the same. Some of them are changed. Long Tom is for going in and doing the rough stuff all the time. I never allowed any boy in my gang to play rough. But Long Tom seems to be taking them all away from me. I had over fifty boys, Hawkins, in my gang. I bet I couldn't count on twenty of them now, to be the same as they were before Long Tom joined. Something in the way he said that made me feel sorry for Pooley. I don't know why, but I had a soft spot in my heart for him then. Cut loose, I said to him, while you still got time. Cut loose from them all, Pooley, and start all over again. Long Tom is a bad one, 
I knew him long ago when he was with Stoner's boy and with Harkinson. He was sent to the school for bad boys, but he broke out and got away. All the others have changed and become good fellows, but Long Tom never will. You'd better cut loose while you have the chance. Pooley looked down at the floor. I wish I could, he said. By George Hawkins, I wish I could. But he has a pool with the boys. I couldn't get more than ten to stick by me. Take the ten, I broke in. Take those that will stick to you, Pooley, even if it's only a few. And believe me, you'll have a better bunch in those few than you would have in the whole fifty, if you could not trust them. Pooley nodded. You're right, Hawkins, he said, and by George, I'll do it. This very night, at our meeting, I will tell them what I'm going to do. Let them see who can lead them best and show them the best times. I'll take the ten. Sadler and Ward and the others. They're the best fellas in the bunch, anyhow. You can bet your last bum nickel on that, I said. The fellas who will stick to you are the best in the lot. I know you, Pooley. You got some bad points, but you got a lot of good ones, too. He stepped forward and held out his hand. I'm glad you said that, he said. I always knew you were a regular fella. I shook his hand. He had a happier look on his face now. Anytime I can help you, Pooley, I said, still holding his hand. You can count on me. I won't say anything about what you have done to our gang. Let's let bygones be things of the past. I don't mind telling you that I have a very selfish reason for all this. I want to get Long Tom. We can send him back to the school for bad boys from which he escaped. They are still looking for him, but he is too slick for our sheriff. But the main thing is this. I want to get back that old brass horn that he stole from this clubhouse. Pooley looked surprised. And then he laughed. I wouldn't give a nickel for that old banged up horn, he said. It's the worst looking thing you ever saw. It ain't worth two cents to tell the truth. To you it isn't, I broke in. And maybe nobody else would give that much for it, Pooley. But to me, well, you see, that old horn belonged to Stoner's boy, long time ago. When we were such little kids, we didn't know how to spell our own names right. And then it went to a boy named Harkinson, a bad one if there ever was one. And Harkinson went blind before we caught him. And the sheriff never did get him, because Doc Waters sent him to the hospital. And Harkinson died, Pooley. Would you believe it? He died. In that old hospital up at Watertown. His heart broke, Doc said. But before he died, Harkinson gave me the old brass horn to remember him by. You see? You see why I want it back, Pooley? Because it means more to me than it does to any boy in the world. Pooley shook his head and sat down in the chair beside my desk. That wouldn't make it so valuable, he said. Not to me. I heard about this Harkinson fella. His gang was called the Red Runners, wasn't it? Yeah, I said. It was a peach of a gang too. Order, system, everything. They were all numbered on the sleeve. They were the best gang I ever... Not at all, broke in Pooley. The Knights of the Square Table, my gang, is better than that, Hawkins. We got all that system and stuff. But I bet you, even with that... There ain't a gang but what has its fights and falling outs. Sure, I said. Harkinson was with Long Tom. They split up. That's what I'm telling you. You can't bum around with Long Tom without trouble. 
best thing for you to do, Paulie, is to cut loose from that fella as soon as you can. Take my advice, won't you? He nodded again. I told you I would, he said. He got up. Well, tonight we are going to have a meeting. Tonight we will have a showdown. The fellas who stick by me, Hawkins, will be the real ones. Those who stick to Long Tom can have him. Anyway, they won't have ponies to ride around on. That's the boy, I said, patting him on the back. I knew you were a regular fella, Pooley. You can count on us. There won't be any more fights between you and your boys and us. We will all work together to help each other out, and believe me, we will get Long Tom in the end. It will be easy, said Pooley with a little smile. You leave that to me. I am glad that we won't have any more fights, Secretary Hawkins. You beat me once. I will never forget that punch you gave me. And I don't want to get another one like it. But it was all fair and square. All fair and square, I repeated. It's the only way to do things, Pooley. Yeah, he said. I found that out long time ago. Well, I'm glad I came to talk to you anyway. Now there will be no more fights between you and me. My gang will be good to your gang, and we will help each other out whenever. Just at that moment, the outer door reopened, and there came a step in the meeting room. In a minute, the door curtains parted, and a boy... It was Herb, a comb. For a moment, he and Pooley looked at each other. Ah! Why hadn't I thought of the long-standing fight between these two? Why hadn't I spoken of it to Pooley before we had come to our agreement? What a dumbhead I was, after all! I guess you were looking for me, said Herbacombe at last. I'm glad I had to come back here, or maybe you would have thought I was afraid to meet you. No, said Pooley, and now his voice was changed. It was a different Pooley now who stood before his old foe. I did not come to look for you, Herbacombe, but since you've come, I'll tell you to your face that I aren't afraid of you, and I'll fight you fair and square whenever you are ready. I'm ready now, shouted Herb, throwing off his coat and stepping forward. Pooley met him face to face, but I sprang between them. No, I said in a loud voice, and my voice meant something, believe me. This clubhouse is no fighting place for anybody. As long as I am secretary here, I am going to see that there is no fighting in this shack when I can stop it. If there's going to be a fight, there'll be three in it, and believe me, I won't care who I hit. They both stood away from me, but in their eyes I could see the old spirit of the fight, a boy's fight, and there's nothing that has more spirit in it than that. They looked like two tigers ready to spring. Pooley was a hot-tempered kid. All right, he shouted, it's all off. Everything I said is off, Secretary Hawkins. I won't split with Long Tom. By George, I'll stick to him just to get a chance to make that smart Alec Herbacombe. No, he can't bluff a fella like me. Not by a long shot. I'll get a chance to scrap you yet, Herbacombe, and we ain't in this old shack. Come outside now, and I'll give you what you're looking for. I'll accept that invitation, said Herb quickly, and he made to follow Pooley but I grabbed him round the wrist and told him where to get off. You stay right here, I said. Pooley walked to the door and turned. Don't think I'm afraid of you, he called out, and then he was gone. 
I let my hold go, and Herb sank into the chair that Pooley so lately had occupied. Hawkins, he said, you're always making me look like a coward. I could have licked him good then. Yes, I said, but it wasn't the right time, Herb. Later on, maybe, but I didn't finish. The other boys came in then, and we had to quit talking about it. But I didn't quit thinking about it. No, I knew that I had almost won Pooley over to our side, and that we had come close to a chance of catching Long Tom. Not that I doubted we would catch him. I knew we would keep on working to that end until we did, and I had some plans in my noodle that were beginning to look like they would soon be ready to spring, and I meant to spring them. Some of these schemes I talked over with the boys, and they said that if we worked them out just as I had them planned, we would put an end to the Knights of the Square Table and send Long Tom back to the school for bad boys. Which we did. Later. End of chapter 20